0: Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us in worship today. I want you to open your bulletin uh, wide open and see a couple of things. One, if you see the um, inset, we're trying to make as many announcements as we can over time, image-based announcements, so that you'll see something that pops to you. And of course, there's a discipline to us to write less in our announcements so that you uh, will notice it more. What you'll see is if you're interested, contact this person. We're not going to include every detail, but I think you'll like as it goes um, more and more to picture-based. I want to say uh, something about their prayers. If you want to submit a prayer to our prayer team that meets on Tuesdays that's shared with our prayer group, that's shared with our congregation, there's a card in your pews. If you want to fill that out, you can place it in the Plate as it goes by. Also, every email gives you the chance to submit that to Leanna to then take to the prayer group. And if you want a copy of that, a copy of that is also in every email, and a printed version is in the back of both worship spaces every Sunday morning and on your um, tables in Sunday school. Um, Aaron Knight is traveling this week, so if you have any questions for children or family ministries, if you please um, ask another staff member, and we'll try to help you out. And if you look at the mission and service uh, section, it's a little bit longer as we tell you what we're going to do. We sometimes ask for multiple things at the same time. Sometimes we're asking for three different things from three different groups on the same Sunday, and I think at times it's confusing. The mission and service team is going to survey our congregation and our town, everyone that asks something of us so that we can have a detailed grid and see where we're missing something. And also um, be able to easily tell you this is what we will collect this month, this is why, this is a way that you can participate. So if one of those members contacts you, please get back to them uh, so we can quickly build um, that list. We want to thank Miss Betty Ward uh, for joining us again and leading us in worship today as Don is on vacation. Uh, with that being said, if you'll please stand as you're able for our first hymn, number 145. <laughs> In this worship service, we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed on page 881. You're welcome to join us and you're welcome to simply listen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, Please be seated.
1: The first scripture lesson is Psalm 86, verses 1 through 10. It can be found on your pew Bible on page 924. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord, listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: I'd like you to turn to page 39 in your hymnal. In the United Methodist Church in our sacraments and our songs and our promises, we connect with one another with the words that we say. And in a baptism, you have amazing words that you say as part of the covenant. And I'm grateful to have you present and to have uh, the family surrounding the Jones here as well. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Zachary Sean Jones for baptism. Yeah. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you both Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord? in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. We nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. You're not simply observers. You're part of the community that helps raise this child. You participate in question number eight. To you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround this child with a community of love and forgiveness. That he may grow in his service to others. We will pray for him that he may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. Aaron Knight uh, is gone today, and Renessa is going to read our prayer over the water.
2: The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept through the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised.
0: Sing to the Lord all the earth, tell of God's mercy each day.
2: In the fullness of time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations.
0: Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all people.
2: Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and he who receives it to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in his final victory.
0: All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives yes. and reigns Amen. forever. Amen. down here. Hey, baby boy. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Zachary Sean Jones, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, sorry, buddy. If y'all will lay your hands on him. the holy spirit work within you that being born through water and the spirit you may be a faithful disciple of jesus christ amen if y'all turn to page 611 of your hymnal we're going to sing the first and third verses I've had enough I want mama members of the household turn back to page 43 sorry page 43 Hmm. members of the household of God I commend these persons to your love and care do all in your power to increase their faith confirm their hope and perfect them in love We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. We have a um, gift for you from Children's Ministry and a certificate to commemorate this day. You may be seated. let us pray gracious and loving God we thank you for this space in which we gather for the promises that we have the opportunity to make for the scripture and verses that you've placed in our hands for the opportunity to be one family hearing one message of encouragement of hope to strengthen us not to um, leave it all on this side of the door, but to walk on the other side of our doors to enter our community to serve you. Use every element in this service, Lord, to strengthen us, inspire us with the prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. And you can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you're a guest, a visitor today, it's certainly not our expectation that you give. You can rely on the generosity of our people. In your hymnal. Please be seated. Our scripture today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 10. And you can find that on page 1772 in your pew Bible. And if you like to read along, if you'll leave it open as I read different sections throughout the sermon. 1772. This is part of a short series where we're going to look at the book of 1 Corinthians for five weeks before we begin what I've described as the narrative lectionary on September 9th. So on September 9th, we'll start to walk through the Bible on the way to the Gospel of Matthew. And each year will be a different Gospel in order. And we'll have resources that connect exactly to what we're doing in worship with both children and youth and give that same opportunity to adults um, if they should want to do that in their class. Um, You can ask us more about it. Before we start with the scripture, I want you to consider the opening image. A long distance relationship. People might have written letters. They might have visited whenever they could. When I was at the Citadel and Katie was at the University of Tennessee, email came out. This wonderful technology where we could write each other each day. My mother mostly wrote me letters. And there's something about getting it. There's something about the lag between the writing it and getting it, and a number of things can happen. Technology has helped the human race with that um, long-distance relationship, but it still can be rather difficult um, as we look in our text today. Almost 150 years ago, on October 18th, it will be 150 years, they completed the transatlantic telegraph cable. Before that day... It took 10 days to send a message from continent to continent. Imagine it taking 10 days for you to write something significant to a person. And if there were any significance for the time, then it getting back. You know, if I'm at the grocery store and I write Katie and she said to get a certain type of cayenne pepper, whatever that is, and I say, this type, I don't know, and I text her a picture of it. And while I wait for her to write back, because she doesn't know I'm writing her, because I'm the one going to the store, I'm supposed to just handle it. I wait. (laughs) I just stand by all the cayenne pepper until I get a, a yes back. You ever write someone, and you see the gray on their phone, and they're writing you back before you've written back? And you think, what? Why are you writing me back? I haven't even completed whatever thought it is to you. Sometimes you write letters, and the letter that you got preceded the letter, them getting the last one. And this is the kind of thing that humans have dealt with. It's the kind of thing that Paul dealt with as he read, wrote that church in Corinth. He established these churches in person. He sets the location. He sets the leadership. He sets the identity. And then he leaves and now he can only write. As he goes to be imprisoned, he can never visit them again and can only write them and encourage them. Now I've been here a little more than three years and each time we've created a process, I've talked about it for two weeks or three weeks or three months or maybe maybe I'm still talking about some of them and we go trying to convey that I'm here in person What if I were writing you a letter and trying to establish what you were going to do? This is the challenge of Paul writing the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 starting with verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So your next word is division. And there's any number of reasons for these people to have division. There's any number of reasons for us to have division. We all want to go to lunch right after church. Where are we going? We're all going to the same place. Where do you want to go? What time should this service be? What time should that service be? Where, the, where should the locations be? Where should the Sunday school classes be? What paper size should the bulletin be? What font size should the bulletin be? Should it be a trifold? Or should it be a bifold? Right? Any number of reasons that we sit around and wonder, how should something be? Now we agree on some core things, things that we say in the Apostles' Creed. We've also, a number of us, been in different churches, different denominations, but lots of things sound familiar the songs, the creeds, the scripture. What if we gathered a third of us of people who had never once been in church in their life and then we all tried to make a decision about what we were going to do? What if we had people who completely believed in the historic church that preceded Jesus that he said that he was the embodiment of? People who believed in a church that was started where Jesus started in his actions? And people who had never been in a faith community in their life In the exact same group, trying to make decisions about what they're going to do. And Paul says, please agree. Please don't disagree with one another. Can you imagine trying to pull that off? He said, I've heard from Chloe's household. That means different people are writing him. Different people with their different perspectives are writing different letters to him about the way the church is going. And then he writes a letter back from hearing all of them to try to unite them in one place. Now what would divide them? Might be worship style. Where should we be? What time should we be? What should we be? Should we have elements of the ancient church, elements of this church? What particular emphasis of Scripture should we have? See, Sunday school teachers make choices. Ministers make choices. Prayer groups make choices. Devotional groups, because the Bible is so big. It's intimidating. And so we think, what can we emphasize? What can we read? What do we believe? And those people are debating in a very heated way what Scripture matters. How about the ancient practices from the Jewish church? Should we have those or should we not have those? I've been in a new church start before where a group of people from an existing church went to start a new church. And the question in that moment is, you know, Memorial did that. We'd say, well, this is what Memorial does. Should we do what they do or should we do a new thing that they do not do? And we... We can't take that stuff for granted. Trying to figure out all that at the exact same time and then inclusion. Should people who came through the Jewish church be included? Should people who profess Jesus be included? Should anyone who walks in the door be included? And if so, what leadership position should they be given? There are four different factions, minimum, in this church based on those questions and other questions. Humans have a limited scope. They have a limited attention span, a limited ability to hang in there, so they choose a leader that they think reflects them the best, and they stick with that leader. That's why there are now divisions. Why? Well, because this guy that we're following, Jesus, he isn't here anymore. And the guy who started the church, who drew us all together, he even isn't here anymore. I'm going to look around. I don't know. I guess I'll follow that guy. And when they're divided, their efforts are divided, their prayers are divided, their finances are divided, everything's divided. And Paul encourages them. He says in verse 13 Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And that's an interesting phrase. Because the power of the cross was Roman authority. Roman power. Putting you in your place. Shaming you in front of the entire community. Taking your life and squashing anything that you were trying to do. Anything that you believed. That was the power of the cross. And it wasn't just Jesus. Of course, it was the two criminals beside him. It could be anyone that the Roman government came through, rolled through, noticed that they were um, uh, disagreeing with what they were doing, and you were going on the cross. You will never again turn away from what we want you to do. Now, he writes about the power of the cross from a person who was placed on it. You know, that's a hard thing to capture, a hard thing to note. We see we kind of take it for granted and we wear a cross as conquering that power, but these people in this moment are trying to decide what that means, what that power is. And he talks about sacrifice. He says it's not a sword. It's not about having the most money. It's not about having the conquering army. It's about the power of sacrifice. He says, those disciples who walked with Jesus those two plus years, they saw him on the water, they saw him on the path, they saw him in the city, they saw him in the country. They saw him with religious folks and with non-religious folks. They saw him be the exact same sacrificial person in each of those moments. But then he was tried, then he was crucified, then he was raised, and then he was gone. He's gone and what are we going to do the leadership has to pick it up now and as he was human as he was divine as he molded those two together to be the perfect human on earth the perfect embodiment of what god wanted he's gone and the people stepping in his place are simply human simply people trying to figure out what they're supposed to do and when they are supposed to do it high school football teams are gathering right now and practicing right now after losing seniors that were everything to their program and trying to establish who are the leaders going to be on this team who's going to make plays for us who's going to step up when we're broken hearted and that time in between no leader and leader can be very troubling, can be destabilizing. And Paul is writing them in that exact moment that people who are human can be leaders. Verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So that's your next word. The salvation is critical. That path towards salvation has sounded like foolishness since the first day. People who followed Jesus said, This guy's from Nazareth. His dad's a carpenter. He's a nobody from nowhere. What message does he have for us? Then he went to a certain city, and his family even went to that town. And they said, Hey, could we speak with him? Hoping to intervene, hoping to get him to stop, wondering what on earth he's doing... Mary and Martha, who had the brother who was very ill, that asked Jesus to come to their town so that he could heal him. When he did not, and their brother died, they were enraged. They wanted him to come immediately and fix exactly what they wanted. They wanted that power, they wanted that authority. So to anyone who's hearing that this humble person from this humble place who doesn't give you every wish and every whim yet calls you to sacrifice and then he ultimately was placed on a cross that sounds like foolishness. What I love about Paul, what I love about his letter and he, he's, he says, yeah, it does sound like foolishness. He doesn't take it for granted that everyone would understand, that everyone would get it. He says, yes, it sounds dumb but it's everything We believe. And it's beyond anything that you can imagine. Until you get it. He says, if you're clamoring for authority, if you are going for power, if you are hoarding your resources, you will not get this. You will not get the power of the cross. You will not get the power of Jesus' life on earth. You will not get the significance of this faith community. If you want these things... It will not make any sense to you. And I've been there. I've been there in very uh, thoughtful, helpful situations in congregations where everyone is of a similar mind and they're sacrificial. And I've been in situations where people are clamoring. People want power. People want to hoard because they have fear, because they want to hold the reins. He says, if you want that, this message will sound dumb to you. But if you get it, you will be saved and you will be a faithful instrument of this church. So the last question you've got to ask yourself is, what will I help expand of this situation? Because you don't have a choice. You're going to do one of these two things in your actions and your words. The discouraging part about reading this letter is that the Corinthian church who was that close to Jesus who had Paul as their founder struggled with these things. And more than 2,000 years later we struggle with them too. That's discouraging if we allow it to be. And if you clamor, if you reach for power, if you want to hoard, you will be part of the spread of that thing that has been there since day one. And in fact, it's been all the way back to Cain and Abel. It's back to Adam and Eve, clamoring, hoping to have authority and power. But the encouraging thing is that this letter is here. How in the world did this letter make it to us? A letter that was written by a man who was on his way to prison, to a place in Corinth that was under occupation, to a faith community that had barely begun and was deeply in division, was saved again and again and shared with us. So in spite of that human opposition at our worst, this letter that encourages us has made it as well. And you can encourage the spread of one or the other, either the same problems that humans have struggled with since there have been humans, or the continued passion to strip away those elements of our personality that get in the way of what God wants. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So will you take that power of the cross, completely flipped on its head, and take it to this community in a sacrificial and loving way. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you will stand as you're able for our final hymn, number 399. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.